0: Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, we have a special session with Rob Lee. Rob is the Chief Marketing Officer at ASAE, the Center for Association Leadership. He has a colored career in advertising and marketing leadership roles. And him and I's conversation was too valuable for us to keep to ourselves, even though this was pre recorded during a Feather remix session on the future of marketing for associations. We wanted to bring you that conversation because even though the focus was on how associations can really navigate 2023 and adjust and adapt their marketing strategies, the insights, the lessons, the stories, from our conversation that are valuable to anyone doing good marketing. So let's get into the studio with Rob Lee. Rob, thank you for being here.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks to you and everybody at Feather. And thanks for all of you for participating today.
0: Now, I know uh, we want to dig into kind of where associations are investing more in marketing, where associations are investing less in. But before we do that, I would love to take a step back, Rob, and get to know you better and share a little bit of your background with our audience and how you got into marketing, specifically with associations. So give us the two or three yeah. minutes squiggle that got to you where you are today. <laughs>
1: So we all know marketing communications folks can talk. So I will make sure that I <laughs> try to, to uh, refine my commentary here. So quick, uh, the quick answer is that you know I, uh, I grew up in the advertising world, actually. So Madison Avenue, I was very fortunate and blessed to get those opportunities. And that was my dream and my passion. So that ignited everything from a marketing communications standpoint was that access into the, uh, the top of the advertising game. From there, it was, um, you know, it actually literally, so o will be made at the time, which is now o will be now and a couple of others that would be familiar to all of you. Um, <clears throat> that took me around eventually to getting to ASAE after a couple of consulting engagements, uh, environmental consulting, but all in strategic communications. And ASAE was looking for a brand person, and I had a lot of experience in brands. And so I came on ASAE when they were actually merging with the Center for Association of Leadership and ASAE, in which case. ASE the Center for Association Leadership obviously exceptionally creative, but uh, nonetheless a lot of things that were wrapped up in that decision. So uh, that's not the not one that would necessarily hang on my hat. To say, hey, look what we did, but we did what we needed to do. Um, but yeah, I've been at AC for a while now in a number of different roles and can certainly speak to any of those. Um, but you know, I just have this kind of I've always had this driving passion, as I'm sure everyone here does. Is to how do you how do you get people to how do you change behavior? Because ultimately that's what we're
0: doing, right? So um, look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, as someone who has a background in advertising, specifically Ogilvy, the next question I want to ask you to kind of set the stage is, was there like a brand marketing or advertising campaign that made like a deep impression on you when you were growing up or like that you remember from the past that kind of has stuck with you as you've done your work now and in the past? Now see,
1: Noah's asking me a question where it's gonna I could reveal how old I am. So I'm not gonna take all of that date. <laughs> but um <clears throat> what I'll tell you is that yeah, there are a number of camp, you know, when I was coming through, I love to see the ads on um at the time, just, you know, national television, honestly. so I had an opportunity to work on some of those. ads. did a a couple of Super Bowl ads, you know, way back when, and worked with some professional athletes, uh, some New England Patriots at the time, you know, to sell, uh, of all things, really interesting and fun, uh, coffee. So, you know, Maxwell House, specifically, and some others. I did some work with Folgers and a number of other brands, um, but all, you know, very recognizable. And, you know, it was the it was the fun of that creativity and how to connect with people emotionally, um, which is how we talked about it in the advertising world. Which is the part that I've always kind of that's always resonating with me. And the other piece of it was the social psychology of it. So those mm-hmm. have been my grounding points because that kind of orients me all the time with regards to anything related to marketing and communications.
0: Yeah, the last question I want to ask is kind of just a preface before we get in get into reflecting back on the past few years of marketing and really think about the future of marketing. Is is there something that excites you uniquely about marketing right now and the opportunity marketers have to influence their organizations, influence the culture, influence conversations? You talked about this idea of like emotionally connecting. That's one thing I've loved about advertising, but is there something right now that really excites you about marketing?
1: You know, it's funny, no, it's the, and I'd be curious to hear from people as we go through this conversation about their reactions to this, but, you know, um, it's what you mentioned. What excites me is the opportunity to influence the direction of the organization and to do that more substantively than I think sometimes we have access to. Um, And I think that's what I'm most excited about. I mean, organizations across the board are, you know, just, you know, many of which are many of them are struggling to figure out how do they reset and that's probably part of the problem you know struggling to reset versus maybe redefining what you want to be And I think that marketing communications can be maybe even more helpful than we might know and or are practice doing all the time because I'm not convinced that we are frequently asked um, you know to help kind of set that direction and sometimes we are certainly and that's fantastic for those that have those opportunities but I also know a lot that do not um, yeah, and so I think that's you know, that's what excites me as well, how do we actually change the trajectory of the organization across the organization? I mean, marketing communications is, when we're good at it, we're good strategic thinkers because we have to think in scenarios and we have to apply judgment based on data. But we also know that it's not going to, there are no guarantees. And so I think those types of skill sets lend themselves to being helpful in the dialogue around how to move an organization forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're hitting on is something that we've been talking a lot about here at Feather, is how to position marketing as a strategic partner to the business, not just as a order taker or a service provider within the organization. Because Mm -hmm. often, you know, marketer people doing marketing, especially at associations, they wear many hats, they're tasked to do this, they're tasked to do that. But how do we elevate above that and say no, Marketing has an opportunity to be revenue aligned, values aligned, mission aligned, and really help drive strategic conversations within the organization. And the other thing that you mentioned is that we're currently in this moment of reset and not rebuilding. And I would love for you to kind of talk about what does that even look like at ASAE and your current role as you all think about marketing and you lead marketing? How are you thinking through the 2023 reset for associations and marketing?
1: you know it's 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 kind of like having i feel like we have a foot in in on both sides of the fence on some level honestly because there the reset is you know from a reset perspective we have had a lot of success in the past and there are some of those things that we want to continue and are continuing but at the same token you know thinking about it's not everything And if it's everything, then there's no ability to apply resources and what are the next things and things that you want to invest in. And I think we kind of walk this balancing line. And and honestly, I think we're still figuring it out. I mean, I think I'd be curious to hear for those of the ASC members. How you might feel about you know how we're doing, but I think people probably sense and feel that you know that they see us kind of playing in a number of spaces, and we're not quite you know we're I wouldn't say we're uncertain. We're developing a path, but we're also learning at the same time. So I you know the old adage about you're, you know you're, you're flying the plane and building it at the same time, I mean, it, it, it still applies, right? Um, but I think you know that is that is the challenge, and I think that is the you know, I prefer to look at that from an opportunity standpoint. But that's you know an immediate reaction to what you're sharing. Give some more detail, but um, yeah. that's what pops in on
0: it. Right? Yeah, and I think um, so. We've you know, we host these remix sessions with association leaders, especially those doing marketing, every single month. In the past couple months, we've seen we've we've surfaced these threads, and that's why Reset really resonated with me. And one being that organizations kind of had this pre pandemic posture to their members, to the community yeah. service offerings, how they did marketing, how they thought about member acquisition, member engagement. Uh, service providing. The pandemic obviously disrupted that and it disrupted for all of us and we had to pivot and change. And we adopted new programs or new protocols and new strategies to do that. Then the last two years, like 21 and 22, we've kind of been holding both balls like this kind of like we had this pre-pandemic protocol, we had this post-pandemic protocol, we're kind of living in this hybrid strategy. And people are questioning like, what should we carry forward? What is actually like the next thing, not just Continuing to iterate on kind of holding these balls because it's resulting in a lot of burnout. I don't know if you have any guidance for organization or association leaders as they're thinking through that um, or any reflections that are consistent with what you all are dealing with at ASAE as well.
1: I'll respond in the context of ASE and also what I'm hearing from the community. <clears throat> so, you know, a couple of things. One is and I'll, I'll leap back to something you said a few minutes ago, and that being, you know, the, the positioning of marketing, because that's important here. You know, <clears throat> we know, we all know from marketing standpoint, more often than not, it's like downstream. So downstream marketing, upstream decision making, right? And <clears throat> we want to get into that upstream decision making. That that component I think is is absolutely critical um, as it relates to making this transition now. So, you know, as an example, we started thinking about, you know, during the height of the pandemic, you know, we were all virtual and we had numbers through the roof. I'll give you an example. Annual meeting typically, you know, has about, about four to five, four to six thousand people at the most, right? Annual basis. We had over 10,000 people from a virtual standpoint. Now, you would expect that. And I will, and you're going to talk about this because actually it was free. So I would have been real concerned if it hadn't <laughs> been 10,000 people or more. But the reality of it is, is that what do you do with that? And what do you do with that is you got to think about that differently than you thought about it before you had that opportunity because what it told us is that there are people that want to get engaged and are willing to get engaged in some way, shape or form based on a newer, reset value proposition. What that new value proposition is and how do we reset or kind of re-engage them in a way that's productive for them moving forward is the ongoing challenge. I see that as a lot of data, you know, um, manipulation, quite frankly, um, and looking at, you know, what are the, the conversations that are happening, I'll share some things, you know, later in the conversation about what, what's happening literally right now. But that's a, a huge opportunity to answer your question. Yeah, you know, if we think about again, downstream marketing, upstream decision making, well, how do I get into that upstream conversation? What's the opportunity? Yeah, Mm. driving the organization forward. What's the opportunity that I can see from a business standpoint the organization may have missed or maybe it's just not asking itself. And that's where the advantage of marketing, I think, can really come in because if we, when we know our stuff, we know all the data because we have to look at that data and understand what NOAA is doing and what NOAA is buying and how many NOAAs are out there who are interested in leadership management or leadership resources. We know that. So as a consequence, then let's apply that and apply that to a business scenario that the organization, you know, the organization is is struggling to answer. Maybe it's a function of something new, or maybe it is a function of making something that's already successful, more successful by what we can add to it. That's, you know, a pathway in oftentimes so these upstream conversations, whether we're invited or not. What's the opportunity that people are missing? Um, what's the one that they're too busy to look at? Where are the margins? that's that's kind of my orientation there so i just mm-hmm. and i i say that because i've heard that from a lot of my colleagues in the in the association space as well with regards to being under a lot more pressure to do something new from a marketing standpoint and you know, oftentimes again, though not with the the advantage of me being fully invested in what are the things that we're the organizations producing in the first place, and are those things that we can take from a marketing communications perspective and push it to the environment that we think would be ultimately successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a little bit of debate around that. So just some thoughts, yeah. but that's that's what I'm hearing, what we've been experiencing as well.
0: Yeah, the biggest shift here for me that was helpful. You know, I've been doing marketing within not association specifically, but in and around nonprofits, community organizations, organizations that I feel like are more about collaboration driving versus commerce driving. So similar industries is that when I when someone revealed to me that marketing is not about the ings only, it's also about the market. And that we as marketers, are do, those doing marketing have the opportunity not just to come up with the new action plan or the new marketing activities we're going to do, which is focusing on the ings, we have the opportunity to focus on the market and to be almost a ambassador and or translator on behalf of the market, whoever your market is for the business. And being able to tap into that, whether it's in data or even qualitative conversations and surfacing that, I found is when we, I actually get to help inform the priorities and the discussions for the organization, not just respond to the request to, Come up with a new marketing campaign, or we need to increase acquisition, or gosh, member engagement's down. What do we do? Or hey, we have this new program. Marketing, go market it. You know, that's what you do, right? And it's like, no, we have an opportunity to do something different.
1: You know, no, I'll, I'll share something, and I, I've shared this before, and I think, but I think it's important. And again, you know, audience, tell me if you think this is off base. You know, say that. Let's have the conversation because it's uh, we're all learning, and I'm learning. You know, certainly as a function of having any of these conversations. here's the point that, yeah, I like to, I think when I, you have conversations with these CEOs out there and anybody in leadership, I would love for everybody to love marketing as much as I do. The reality is that they don't. And that's okay. I'm perfectly fine with that. But what I do try to figure out is I love to try to kind of challenge myself to think about Marcom, not as an expense, but rather, how do I drive revenue? How do my activities the things that I'm going to recommend, the resources that I want, whether those be technology resources or human resources, um, how does that drive revenue? How does that impact revenue? That's a, a slightly different conversation and I've found that to be helpful at times. It doesn't work all the time, obviously, because it's, as we all know, it's like you have campaign metrics and you have business metrics. But, you know, the point of it is that we can translate that and I think it, when we kind of step into those opportunities, that's when we can give ourselves a, a better opportunity. You know, something you mentioned a second ago something, you know, we do talk about often here. So, you know, we had this marketing membership, you know, on communications conference every year, and it's typically, I've been there for a long time now at the uh, convention center in D.C. Um, Now, that event does very well for us. Part of the reason that event does very well for us is because the demographics of the association community, marketing communications continues to grow. In fact, at a pace faster than what we can see, at least in other demographics that we also serve. So, I talk about that event in that context to make sure that we are as focused on that particular subject matter, because it's an important one for us. We want to serve the community um, from a value proposition standpoint. It's also important from a business perspective. So I talk about it in, those, in, in that context sometimes, and you no, know, I'm just building on what you said and give an example around, what do the, yeah. the numbers tell me? Where are the data? What does the data tell me?
0: As someone who's been in marketing leadership for some time, and maybe some on this call aren't in a leadership position like yours, but they want to lean more into that, a big part of leadership is knowing what to prioritize. And even I'm, I'm reading Lisa's uh, note here, and she said, "Hey, we're trying, we're looking at a total makeover of how our association functions, bylaw changes, committee structures, board member structure. We're getting a new AMS." We're trying to elevate our brand and do a better job at showing members, stakeholders, and prospective members our value." And I got exhausted reading that. (laughs) And not because that's the wrong thing to do, Lisa. Don't feel like I'm calling you out. But it's like, that's so much to prioritize as a marketer to know, where should I focus my time? How should I focus? So as a leader who has to prioritize a lot, how do you prioritize? How do you think about where you should prioritize efforts or time and maybe even how you're prioritizing what you're investing in with your team in 23. If you're willing, if you're open to sharing.
1: Yeah, I think a uh, great question, and
0: Lisa, I, I feel for you. That's a lot, and
1: we're doing a lot, a, a lot. lot of similar things as well with regards to technology infrastructure, um, accessibility. There, I mean, these big things, big topic areas that we're focused on. Um, No, I appreciate the question. I'm not perfect at this from a prioritization standpoint. I do have to reflect, um, obviously, as it relates to the organizational goals, but I can share with you something I won't share. I'll just think about what's the most, you know, pertinent to share. And that is that, you know, in navigating those, I have this kind of, I'll share this with you. I've got this kind of continuum around how I think about things. And I decide how I need to show up in a conversation based on my assessment of where I am on this continuum. The continuum is simply the following. And I use this in most conversations, honestly. You know, there's my preference around a Socratic method is fantastic. I mean, it works for me. I love it. You know, I love that questioning. I love to just keep kind of iterating and continuing to kind of refine, refine, come up with the idea, refine the idea, come up with the idea, refine the idea. I just love that. At some point, you go from that end of the spectrum, the Socratic method to what I, you know, would use a different concept of this three-foot world. And for those that have, you know, I'm not a military person, but it comes from something that that SEAL's doing how they look at the world. But the point of it is in that three-foot world, You have to be tactical. You have to execute. You don't have time to go back and reconsider strategy because you're already in the moment and you have to just get it done and get it done the best way you possibly can. When I look at that continuum, you know, from a business um, standpoint and with respect to any conversations that I have, I choose. I make a judgment call. If I'm in the midst of this threefold world, then it's pretty hard to have a conversation with others that involved about the Socratic method around why are we doing this. Too late. creates frustration. Right. Um, The same goes on the the converse goes for the other side of that. So I think I always kind of play around with that a little bit to kind of figure out how do I need to show up in order to be the most influential with regards to what is it that we are talking about in that moment. And that kind of paradigm helps to guide me a little bit. So just something I kind of came up with and was thoughtful about. But I I find that to be helpful because it it forces me to, to think about what I'm saying and more importantly, how I'm saying it. And what I'm trying to accomplish as well. So that's just a you know a, a perspective there.
2: Hey friends, Emily here from Feather. Feather's nonprofit marketing platform turns your if only wish list into reality. Feather Flights, our marketing automation tool, helps you design multi-channel campaigns and automated engagement journeys. Feather is trusted by over thirteen hundred nonprofits, and we help you unlock more time, more results, and ultimately more confidence with real-time ROI reporting at the campaign level so you know what works removing the guesswork from your 2023 plan book time with one of our digital strategists today and learn how you can unlock more in 2023 with feather by visiting feather.co that's feather without the last e.co
0: And and it's something we talk to our association customers here at Feather a lot is like, where should you prioritize? Because I do think marketing is right. tasked a lot with all of the priorities. And it's like, well, these are all a priority. And a lot of leaders then reflect that back to us. And we try to take a similar approach, which is, you know, what is where are you trying to go long term? But what needs done immediately? You know, there there are things that the three foot strategy is required. You have or the three foot approach like you have to get in the weeds, that annual meeting's coming up, you have to promote that. There's there's no way you can reinvent the wheel or reposition your organization when you need to, you know, get butts in seats, right, for events, like we're, we're held accountable on those campaign metrics, while also then still anchoring that to these bigger term uh, strategies. And so we always try to take it as like, okay, there's buckets of priorities, then there's things you have to get done. And what's important is we we acknowledge whether we are in execution campaign implementation mode or are we in divergent like what are the most important strategies Mm -hmm. and both are good but it's good it's important to or it's helpful to separate those say hey let's get work done and get this done okay now let's zoom back out and like okay what's the longer term strategy how are we building a stronger brand relationship with our members how are we acquiring members Appropriately And being able to context switch from three foot to 30,000 foot on a regular basis is kind of what I think marketing is. Like you're going in and then you're coming out and you're going in, you're coming out. And that context switching is what I've seen in marketers I appreciate. They do really well. Like they know when you need to get stuff done and they know when you need to diverge and have a conversation about a bigger picture.
1: So here's what's hard. And I agree with you, Roy. And I think, you know, I, and I suspect this is a challenge that a lot of us face. And that is, Yeah, as you said, when do we have this conversation? So one of the things, one of the ways that I think about with regards to this prioritization is I don't have a conversation about what we should be doing in the midst of the campaign. I wait until after the campaign is done. But before we're planning for the next round, um, the next year, whatever it may be. And that's when to have the conversation. So it's just, it's a little bit of planning. That's hard on me and it's hard on the staff because guess what? They're in the midst of still executing other campaigns. So you got to pull out of some of that a little bit and say, okay, wait a minute. You know, I need to focus on this piece of this. And the only time I can do this, the only time I can get attention on it is now before people get, you know, ginned up to start executing the, you know, the, the entirety of the product. So, you know, some of that's a little bit of timing, but it's not by accident. You know, it, yeah. it's at a certain time because that's when we can get attention out And it. again, It doesn't always work, but that's when we found the most success.
0: Yeah, it was something in our November flight school uh, that we host, which is more of an educational learning session. For those that want to reference it, we kind of laid out a framework for uh, how to do marketing planning. And a big portion of that, not to get into the weeds on what that was, but a big portion of it was implementing rhythms and being clear what those rhythms are. So if you have a weekly rhythm, what is the context of that weekly rhythm? It's not to rethink strategy, but it's to check in on priorities, keep people focused, remove obstacles. Whereas you might have a quarterly priority review or strategy review, where you're talking about strategy and priorities. But it's kind of knowing what level you're talking about and implementing these rhythms to be able to address those has been something that we've seen is super helpful. And we advise those customers we work with to even think through that as well. As you go through these campaign cycles, which is what you just shared uh, through example, and I think it's actually really helped us here at Feather. We actually implement the same. You know, we try to drink our own champagne or eat our own dog food or whatever you whatever phrase you want to use. Maybe there's a better one, but implementing that even in the last six months for here us here at Feather has enabled us to focus on providing the most valuable value in the most effective way. While also balancing burnout. Cause I think that's the other thing. Like if I'm always zooming out and being like, well, we should, we should, we should, it, it, it's stressful. It creates tension in the team, it creates conflicts of priorities, it creates confusion. So having those rhythms has been transformational for us and the customers we're working with. So good reminders.
1: Yeah. You know, I'll share something really quickly. And there's that, you know, we have um, so we're in a fortunate position that we have a lot of data. And yeah, we don't suffer from not having enough. We certainly have too much. I think sometimes that even is a little bit restrictive from the standpoint of it's so much to kind of assimilate and summarize. That said, you know, talking about, Noah, you're talking about the rhythm and how to, you know, kind of basically when to have a conversation. Yeah, I was just looking today and I can look in a number of our areas. So in this case, I'm looking at Collaborate, which is our, you know, basically social platform, a private social platform, for those that aren't aware of it, just to give you the concept of it. Um, But It is, you know, I can look and see the conversations that are happening in there. And yeah, I can tell you that today, literally just a couple hours ago, you know, one of the things that popped up was seat at the table, marketers having conversations about how you get a seat at the table. Another thing that popped up was, you know, ADA websites and digital content and the relationship there and what that means from an organizational standpoint. Another is, you know, how how are innovative associations driving revenue? The reason I bring these things up is because, you know, when I look at that kind of stuff, that gives me some idea about how to convey the voice of the customer in a way that the organization has to listen to it. It's not Rob's voice. This is what people are telling us. And so I look at this from the standpoint of, you know, what people are talking about, which I can see, and then marrying that with what are their behaviors, because let's assume for the moment that all of us, you know, are running our campaigns I and mean, we could always do a little bit better, right? But we're running them in such a fashion that they work from a campaign standpoint. So what I mean by that is that let's just look at the email rates, you know, quick, <clears throat> uh, so open rates, click through rates, um, what have you. And if you're, yeah, if you're in social media, obviously you're, you're paid organic search. And certainly, you know, the, all the work that we've done with Feather over the years has been tremendously helpful. The metrics look good. Right. But that's one piece of it. But, you know, marrying that to the behavior from a, you know, who's purchasing, who's not and understanding what the conversation is. That's a powerful set of tools, if you will. And so I try to think about how do I take some of that information, that data and present that to folks who have a problem that maybe they don't know how to solve. Because I've got some insights here, we have some insights. So I, it's I'm kind of spinning off a little bit with regards to what we talked about earlier. But that's a specific example where you know, as we all know, marketing communications really you know data right now, um, as much as anything. So just some examples yeah. around you know how how we think about it.
0: Yeah, it's reminding me of a simple handle that our um, one of our lead team leads and strategists here at Feather always uses: discovery before strategy or discovery between before planning. Like even with yeah. our clients, but. In your case, it's someone said something, or here are the priorities, or maybe you want to increase some sort of metric that you're keeping track of, or a business KPI. It's like, let's go do discovery first. Let's look at the conversations yes. that are going on. Let's get feedback from our members. But the thing that you said, I want to make sure people heard it, because it's something we've actually been going through for about a year here at Feather in our own business, um, is layering that over the segment, making sure you're listening to the right data from the segments that are important mm-hmm. to you. Right. And so you're you're not just looking at the general chatter or data feedback, but you're saying, okay, these segments, those that we're trying to better serve or support, or those that are, you know, 80% of our revenue, which we need to all be accountable for, right. are saying these things. So we are doing these things because they tie to the discovery we did in the segments that matter. Because you can't serve everyone. I know it's an age-old marketing challenge, but if you're for everyone, you're for no one. And that's really important to know even as we're trying to prioritize initiatives. So I appreciate you elevating that through example.
1: Hey, Lil, so here, I've got something for you specifically. I love your your comment here. And so sorry if I'm gonna offend somebody, I apologize in advance, but you know, this is some of that for-profit stuff coming through and that being, don't ask, you know, tell them, this is what you wanna accomplish. Here's how you're going to get there. And that is, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not, that's not gonna be the tone obviously, but the, the intent is to say, you want to accomplish this? Here's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I do that consistently over time, you're going to want me. It's it's not in your best interest to not have me at the table. So I don't I don't come off that way, obviously, but I, I do tend to think about it that way um, <clears throat> because I think it's it's just it's important. And we we've been waiting for a long time. I mean, I've heard this conversation about being having a seat at the table, you know, for all of the 15 years that I've been at ASAE, and yeah, you know, we as markers, we got to change that because now our organizations need us differently than they ever have. And, you know, at some point we're, you know, we can't ask. We just have to kind of, you know, make it <laughs> apparent that it's in everybody's best interest for us to be there. So that's a little bit of
0: me you know, opining. Yeah. I'm sorry for that, but um, important. <laughs> no, and again, I go, I'm gonna reemphasize this because I think it's really important is that you, want, you also want to create a table that people want to be a part of too. Like there's an opportunity that we don't have to go sit at the tables that are currently happening. We have the opportunity to create a table that people want to be at because it's helping them accomplish their jobs more. You have access to the data, qualitative and quantitative. You have a pulse on the market, not just the marketing uh, activities. And so we I think as much as we need to change the conversation within our organizations about marketing's role, we also almost have to take ourselves a little seriously, to call ourselves out a little bit. I know that's something that I've did where it's like, hey, I'm running campaigns, I'm doing my job, I'm meeting my metrics, I'm hitting my goals. But when I stop, I'm like, well, I want more. And it's like, well, I, I'm choosing this work. And I'm, and I need, if I choose different work and prioritize that, that's an opportunity for me to step up. And so be doing both an uh, external audit, but also an internal audit of like, how am I going to show up and I think that's what you're kind of speaking to, Rob. Is like, hey, we're going to invite ourselves to the table. We're not going to wait for the invite. So let me, I'm going to give you a
1: specific example about inviting ourselves to the table, um, and I'll, I will share a little bit of success and failure around it. Um, <clears throat> a few years ago now, and this is this. All of this came. What I'm about to share with you, all of this came from marketing. None of it was asked for. Not one person in the organization was saying, "Hey, we need this." What this was was, you know, some kind of, you know, um, in essence, a flight plan if you will but really it was just a product development you know um theory um and it's really just practical steps around product development that was one piece of it we started that that came from marketing um and it was related to innovation at the time the other piece of it was portfolio management so enterprise you know well i call it portfolio management you know you're looking at you know for all products of the organization you know life cycle revenue trends, registration trends, margins, overall revenue, um, what's the uh, the resource lift? or the expense lift on every single product in order to begin to make, you know, car, create some conversations and make decisions based on margin analysis, as opposed to just top line revenue, um, because that can distort things. And then you have different choices to make. So the organization didn't ask for any of that. We delivered all of that. And we were able to push the organization forward to make some tough decisions about some big events. And again, if some of you are, um, you know, associate or ASE members, you know um, what some of those events are. They would include great ideas and XDP. Um, and, you know, there were, and then there's access passes, a whole bunch of stuff. So we were pretty successful, but it was painful to take the time to develop that, that knowledge, if you will, deliver that knowledge, and then try to help the organization get to a point of making some decisions. So there were some successes. There were absolutely some failures as well, um, because it was challenging. The the data was you know consistently kind of, you know well what about this? What about that? And that's fine. You know those are just some organic conversations. But it was we're still talking about and still talking about those those primary concepts you know and so that to me is a a big leap forward that we wouldn't have had if we had waited for somebody to ask us to do it nobody would because most you know not a lot of people are thinking about product management from a organizational point of view we typically see product management thought of from the people who are producing the products versus you know somebody looking at this from an overall standpoint and again some of the organizations probably already do that that's fantastic we were not at the time so you know Success and failure at the same time. Um, and it's it has continued to kind of, you know, we've, been, we've done some good things and some other things I wish we could have done differently and better. And some we just straight out lost. But the point of it is, we started the conversation. So I just, I, that's the kind of stuff I think is really important with regards to, let's
0: get a seat at the table. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of taking on new things is. To stop doing other things. You know, it's it's not, it's not always additive. I think we we can come time sometimes walk away from these these conversations and say, man, here's six more things that I need to be focused on as a leader. We don't necessarily talk as much of the things that we are saying no to intentionally or offloading and saying, hey, we're not going to do this. Curious for you, and you can speak to this for ASAE and your team, or what you're hearing from your members or your community, is what are you not investing in or investing less in, whether it's channels, whether it's types of things like conversations, questions that we're not going to try to answer? What are, you, what are you divesting in or not investing in as you look to 2023?
1: We're not great at that. Um, in fact, we just had a conversation this morning about some of those things. And yeah, I will share a comment that I made and that being that yeah, I consider myself to be you know, channel agnostic. I don't care about the channels. I care about the channels that all of you are in. Um, that mm-hmm. you want to engage with. And those are the channels that we should be using as opposed to, you know, any other, you know, anything else. Quite frankly, if I can afford to do it and you're there, then we should do that. And, you know, to the expense or to or at the expense of other channels. Um, that's just an orientation. I think that, you know, we are leaning far more heavily into, you know, uh, beginning to, you know, market automation. We've had some dabbles with that at certain points and certain products. It doesn't make sense for us across the board um, because it takes a lot of time. And I would choose not to spend that time in products that don't have an upside. I can either look at marketing automation as a way to to maybe solve something that's not doing so well, or I can look at applying limited resources to something that's doing well, and I can maybe make it work a little bit better. Um, You know, retargeting, um, this is, you know, truth here, you know, annual meeting, um, I love Feather. One of the reasons I love Feather is because I use the data from Feather to help support the conversations that we've been having here. As an example, this last year for annual meeting, we had from, through Feather's retargeting, we had $228,000 worth of revenue off of an $8,000 investment. Rest assured, Rob was singing that from the rooftop. (laughs) <laughs> because you know, as a consequence, that would that created other champions who then began seeing it for me, and that was really helpful with regards to a lot of things that we've been talking about today about how to you know maybe change a little bit of the orientation around here. This is what marketing can do. It's like I love feather and I love retargeting. I love the business results, and the organization needs the business results. So you know, those are just some things that we've done specifically. Um, but yeah, you know, again, I can I'll start running off on stuff. So apologies.
0: No, I, I think it's so important. And I just want to highlight some of these things as takeaways. Again, you said being channel agnostic. I think that's really important. And we're seeing more and more that even changing the conversation to say we're not channel agnostic, we're audience first. And so we are focused we on our audience. And we are trying to build connections with them, no matter where they are. And so, yeah, we might not be on XYZ platform because we're an audience first company and we don't, or we have an audience first strategy and that's not where our audience is. It becomes less, and I think there's a flip happening where like there was so much about like even channel uh, attribution, channel measurement and it's something Feather's trying to support and we do and we're trying to do more of in the future which is to help organizations that are audience first or community first better understand how to build purposeful connections with their audience no matter where it is. Online, offline, digital, not digital, retargeting. Again, we're just at the start of that, but we want to make sure that we're encouraging that behavior. So I, I, I'm glad you said that. Channel agnostic or audience first.
1: You know, no. What I'll, I'll quickly share too is that I think one of the reasons. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that we do this right and perfectly every time because we don't. Um, so I'm just sharing my you know candid experiences, the good, bad, and you know whatever it is in between. But yeah, to that point. Yeah, I, and I'm sure many of us have been in the situation of let's try whatever. It might be TikTok, it might be Instagram, whatever the case is, or let's cover all the, and, you know, it's funny because what I did was I surfaced, you know, the demographics for all of those, you know, all the social platforms. I said, look, you know, here's, tell me how our audience lines up with this one. It doesn't. I said, now we can do that. But, you know, in order to do that, then we need to be willing to invest in that. And I, that is not an investment that's going to pay off in the short term. It might pay off in the long term from an audience development standpoint, but let's have a conversation about whether or not we think that's really worth it. So, you know, I think that's, I just use that as an example to say, I think it's important that we as marketers kind of push back at times in ways that people can hear it and say, you know what, I, I want to do the new and creative stuff. I don't want to do unnecessary new and creative stuff. I want to do stuff that is new and creative that can actually drive results because that's going to support the narrative that we were talking about earlier.
0: To flip the question on its head, because I know, you know, people are probably curious. And again, this could be reflections from what you're hearing from the community that you all serve. Um, but where are you investing, you know, more? Where are you investing yeah. more effort in 2023? Um, what You mentioned a few tactical things, but there are there other larger strategic priorities where you're doubling down? You know, we're post-pandemic. We're moving on. Obviously there's still challenges that we learned through the pandemic, uh, but where, where are you investing or where's the community uh, saying they're investing? So I'll come back to
1: you in a couple of months and tell you if this worked or not, but where I want to invest <laughs> well, in... we'll
0: welcome you back gladly, so. Uh... Um,
1: is, you know, um, I think for us, uh, AI is incredibly important and different manifestations of AI. So one of them we've been using for a while, and so I'm also responsible for associations now, which is our media brand. You know, For those that don't know, it's in essence a digital, it's a digital media brand. It it used to be a a 12 month publication, you know, printed publication, like a lot of magazines, obviously. Um, And then we moved it into a more of a digital brand with um, a, a, a weekly, actually a daily newsletter and some other assets. Point of the, it's a broadcast assets as well. But the point of it is, is that you know the content there. Part of the content that's generated is based on AI. So we know what Noah is looking at, and as a consequence, start to serve Noah, you know, content that is not only ASAE content and Associations Now content specifically, but also content from other resources out there that are not, have nothing to do with ASA but have everything to do with NOAA's interest. The click-through rates and the open rates, you know, just shot through the roof and they've stayed there for years now. So part of the investment for us and what I'd like to, I'm hopeful to see, you know, kind of pull this through this year is now, it's related to the earlier part of the conversation about the the scale of annual meeting, 4,000 to 10,000, is that I've got 40,000 people coming through the door on a daily basis on associations now. If I can start to track them individually and understand what their interests are on an individual standpoint, which I can, then what do I do with that? how do I inform other parts of the organization in order to be more successful in their work Um, from a marketing standpoint, from a product dev standpoint, you know, as it relates to, you know, revenue opportunity, whatever the case may be. So the investment there is to start to make some of those data connections and really to create some time and space and energy to think about, you know, how we focus on CEOs. We had somebody, you know, a marketing manager that took some of her time to talk about, actually came up with this little campaign to talk about, aspiring CEOs, and she looked at it from the data standpoint, was able to say, you know what, there might be a business opportunity here. We wouldn't have seen that had she not taken the time to do it. So the investment of the technology, AI in this case, Um, And really the data manipulation around that I think is critical. Um, That's a place to invest in marquee automation. Um, We will certainly continue with retargeting um, because it just (laughs) flat out works. (laughs) Um, And, you know, um, and then those those are the ones that are kind of, yeah, that I know that I'm, I'm most focused on at the moment.
0: Yeah. You highlighted something just now with your discussion around AI and and kind of being able to better understand your audience, so that you can surface not only more content, which helps you better understand your audience. It's a it feeds itself. The more you do it, it feeds itself. But also to create more revenue opportunities, uh, to surface insights, to have better conversations about product development. But I think the thing here, and I, I'm I want to simplify it for those listening to it, is. The power of AI and some of the other things you mentioned isn't just in like personalizing the experience for members, but it's actually building this responsive learning model into how you do work. And I do think we are moving from an age of like where personalization was table stakes to now responsiveness is table stakes. And they sound nuanced, but personalization allows you to say, oh, here's our member base, here's what they like, here's what's going on. We are now gonna personalize content for them. It's still very much of an understand, develop, share, kind of like discovery strategy shoot type mechanism. Whereas this responsive approach, which increases the need for tighter feedback loops within how you think about marketing, increase the types of rhythms on when you evaluate what's working, what's not working, is this conversation. It changes as you get input, which I think you were sharing is that this, this model of like hearing people You know, understanding what they're interested in, sharing more content, they now engage with that, you gain more understanding, you can now better cultivate content and campaigns on how to connect with them. And again, I think that's moving from this personalization to responsiveness. And I think that's something we're seeing outside of the association world, you know, in our own lives. Like everything I consume on a daily basis is not just personalized, it's responsive. And I engage with one article and then I get feed, like almost in real time, like new articles back. I listen to this song. I get new songs back based on that. It's always feeding itself, um, I think is really helpful. So if you're just thinking about personalization for 2023, I think you might want to skip a step and think about how can we be more responsive and have these learning models. Well, we're coming up on time, Rob, but we've shared a lot. You know, what what guidance would you share with those leading their associations marketing um, as they walk away from this? What should they keep in focus as they continue to drive through um, on 2023? Maybe like what's the one or two things you would encourage them to focus on? I would say that we want to always align our
1: align our thoughts and our <clears throat> energy around solving the organizational problems from a business standpoint. I, I try to start there. Yeah, so it's it's. Honestly, it's not, and again, I hope nobody finds this offensive, but you know, it's it's less about, for me at least, it's less about here's how I can make marketing successful, but rather what are the things that the organization needs to accomplish and then how can I add marketing to it in a way that would be helpful and valuable to help get us there? And if I if I ask and, and answer the question that way, I've found that over time I can get a little bit farther. Again, it doesn't work every time, but that's you know, generally how I... Tend to see the world, and I'd say that based on just you know, having a lot of experiences and you know dealing with sometimes people who love marketing and you know, other times where people don't, but everybody loves results. So yeah, just a, just an orientation um, I just offer is you know one aspect. I'm sure it's you know all of you on the call have you know even better ones that I can come up with, but that's one that that I, that I, that resonates with me.
0: Yeah, um, I I shared something in the chat just in response to that, like be business leaders, not marketing leaders which requires you to be tuned to your community, not your campaigns. I didn't put not your campaigns, but I meant to. I, I just sent it before, but how do we stay tuned into our audience? And I know that's something that's really important to you all at ASAE as you've clearly uh, kind of shared where you all are being responsive and changing and evolving to better serve your community with your programs and services. So if people wanna learn more, maybe they're not involved with ASCE for some reason, which I know many on this call are, Um, What's the best way for them to first get engaged? Because I want to give you the opportunity to talk to the associations as ASAE and share how they might want to get engaged to further this conversation with other peers.
1: Yeah, well, so we have this, you know, we have these professional advisory committees um, and communities. And that's where a lot of these conversations happen. So, you know, I would certainly encourage you to, A, go to the website, or you can just call me, honestly, or email me. That's fine, too. I can walk you through, you know, some of the advantages and the value add, if you will, to maybe some of the things that you're currently doing. But, you know, I think it's those communities is where, you know, I was referring to this as relating to collaborate, and that's that private social network. Um, there's a lot of conversation that happens in the community, and that tells, that is very telling because it's, it's the conversations that we're having now. And you get to hear from a lot of people out there that are peers and colleagues that are, quite frankly, struggling with the same thing. Um, so I think that's a, a tremendous value add. Of course, the, all the events and UMCC, of course, in June this year. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. The, the biggest value proposition for ASAE simply is bringing the community together to have the conversation with like-minded have peers. And that's the benefit. That's the value proposition in most simple and purest terms.
0: Yeah, that's great, Rob. Thank you so much for giving of your time. Thank you for giving of your leadership to not only your own organization, but the broader association community. And uh, we're just really grateful for you to be able to share with us today.
1: Oh, no, thank you, Noah. I mean, this is what the community is. So anything that I can do to be helpful to everybody, please do not hesitate. I'm here to be helpful and to to help us all push this community forward. And it's gonna take all of us and in particular work in communication. So uh Absolutely. We need to act
2: Good Marketing Unplugged would like to give a special thanks to our producer, The Good Podcast Company, and to Feather's very own Max Anderson, who wrote and performed our theme song.